also brought to you by the Boatyard in Fort Lauderdale. Eat local, but stay coastal at the Boatyard Restaurant. The Boatyard is located at 1555 Southeast 17th Street in Fort Lauderdale. That means you can come by boat or you can come by car. Enjoy the nautical atmosphere whether you sit inside in the cold AC or outside on the patio bar. The Boatyard has something for everyone. Monday through Friday, happy hour. Where local favorite is bar bites and handcrafted cocktails. Open for lunch, dinner, and the popular Sunday brunch. And don't forget, ladies night. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. where ladies drink free. Dock and dine at the famous Boatyard in Fort Lauderdale. I am sure you'll have a great experience. Clear the airways. The Lunker Dog is on the air. Are you ready? This is the Real Guy Podcast. Hey everybody, this is Captain Jeff along with the shepherd, Stephen Busaka, and very special guest star today, George Gods from the Unfathom Show. George, good to have you here in the River Palm Cottages down here in Jensen Beach. Yeah, my my, uh, my backyard, actually. Right. This is where you, uh, what, you grew up here pretty much, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, your adult life. Yeah, I lived across the street from uh, River Palms for the last 20 years. Well, dude, you're lucky. This is nice around here. I mean, I've been looking out here, but this is the Indian River right here? Yep, yep. Indian River right here in our backyard. And um, I'm watching the mullet jump as we're doing the podcast, and... We're out there taking breaks, and it's just, um, put it this way, we don't get this in downtown Fort Lauderdale. I mean, not even a whiff of it. <laughs> no, a little, definitely a little slower pace up here in Jensen Beach. Um, you know, the Indian River is definitely a unique fishery and a unique estuary. Um, obviously, it's had uh, struggles a little bit with some of the water quality issues, but it is probably one of the best places to fish. You know, people always talk to me about, you know, if where where would you like to live? If you could live anywhere, and honestly, there's there's no other place I'd want to be. And I've traveled from one end of this state to the other. And I think as far as diversity and quality of life, this is probably one of the best places. Yeah, I'd I'd have to agree with you. You know, um, years ago, my uh, my old man moved the boat company out of Fort Lauderdale, and he was trying to figure out where he wanted to go, and he narrowed it down to either right here in Stewart. He wanted to be on that river out there where American yachts are, in, um, or Punta Gorda on the west coast of Florida. And um, I don't know, for some reason or another, I think a lot had to do with the county, but uh, he ended up in Punta Gorda. And I told him then, I was like, the chances of me ended up in Punta Gorda are pretty <laughs> slim to none. Where I think maybe if he would have moved to Stewart area, it would have been more like, okay, I can do that. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. I mean, Punta Gorda is a nice place, and it's pretty cool over there. But I don't know, dude. The West Coast thing. Them some bitches fish for ladyfish and trout and uh, hot what? water. I mean, it's that place. Is, nah. You got to go like fifty miles out to exactly. find a sailfish or something like that. Fifty. That's a start. That's just to find the bait spot for the fish. Have you done that over there? We just actually filmed the show uh, this year. Uh, we ran 90 miles, you know, 90 miles one way to fish for red snapper, but it was a unique fishery. We were catching them on topwater plugs. I went with a guy, Cody Chavez, out of, uh, what was that, St. Pete, St. Pete area. And uh, it is definitely a unique fishery over there, and the bottom fishing is absolutely incredible. But 90 miles over here, you know, we're sitting in the Bahamas. We're you know. way into the Bahamas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, move your mic a little closer to your mouth. All right. You're just a little more soft-spoken. 
So I'll make sure they can hear you real good. The um, So, first of all, congratulations on Unfathomed, the Thank show. You. Thank you. And getting your first episodes for the year done. Yep, season one is done. That's uh, Congratulations on that. I'm sure yeah. that must feel pretty good. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's definitely been a... Uh, a you know, I wouldn't say so much of a challenge, but it's definitely a learning curve. You know, I spent so many years as a host of real-time Florida Sportsman. Right. And all I worried about was hosting the show. And, you know, obviously, logistics of picking out destinations and, and the guest hosts, that was my responsibility as well. But I never had to worry about the backside of things, about contracts and, you know, picking up sponsors. and The hard and, business side of it. It is, yeah. And so... It was uh, after seven or eight years with the magazine, it was time to kind of row my own boat, and it just, uh, it's worked out well, you know, we've had some fantastic shows, we have incredible sponsors, and things have been well received, so I'm extremely fortunate to be where I'm at. Busaka, he really likes your sponsors. I was, I was going to say, you know I was going to get on them sponsors in a second. I think, he's, I think he's trying to get some free shoes. <laughs> no, I'm not trying to get, I, just, I, I can respect a guy that has good taste in the shoes that he wears. <laughs> and for those of y'all that don't know what I'm referring to, one of George's sponsors is Olakai, yeah. which is a Hawaiian-inspired brand. George, how exactly, now how did that, how did that sponsorship even kind of come about? You know, it's, uh, it's funny. So often you'll, I mean, at least for me, I'm the kind of guy that I like a brand, I'll wear a brand, and then I'll seek out some kind of help or endorsement rather than, you know, I, it has to be true to me and who I am. So you're feeling, you're feeling your sponsors. Yeah, you know, I, it's something that I wore before, and it, it's, uh, it's just a cool brand. It's like we're so fortunate to have all of our, all of our sponsors are that way, you know, and, and you talk about that, and it's not so much, and you said this, it's not, you're not so much of a sponsorship but you're endorsing these people and, and right. because you believe in it and it's it's easy to do it's easy to talk to the brand when it's something that you would wear regardless and so many of these companies that we're with you know it's, it's just that way whether it's yeah they're natural they're yeah. natural it's a natural the, the sponsorship that you've been getting is natural the shoes are great um i mean i never would have had a pair of these shoes on Except that I was, you know, you were nice enough to put me on the show and Olakai gave me some shoes and Maui Jim gave me some glasses and um, that's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know. That's and, not... and, and truth be told, I have a sunglass fetish and I have a shoe fetish. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Those to me are like the two most important things, are your shoes and your sunglasses. Yeah. yeah. You got to have a good pair of both. Yeah. You got People always look at your feet. You want to have a nice pair of shoes. And uh, I'm a flip-flop guy. Um, I have the flip-flop tan. I mean, people, it's funny. People will see me and they'll make comments about my flip-flop tans. But there's no lying about whether I'm wearing Olakai. I told them that, you know, I could probably go ahead and tattoo a little hook on the... The Maui hook. Yeah, the Maui hook there on my, my suntan um, line there. And but, Well, you know, it, it was uh, kind of enlightening that um, at ICAST this year, I mean, these dudes are sporting the piss out of their fancy flip-flops. And I'm not talking about guides like you that have, you know, the flip-flop tan and everything. I'm talking about dudes that haven't worn their flip-flops since they got them for Christmas. 
But because it was iCast and because they were going to be talking about fishing equipment and stuff, that they felt obligated to sport the piss out of their fancy flip-flops. So I'm walking around iCast and I'm like, that guy's got no business with those flip-flops on. And then Lamont's like, dude, when else is he going to sport those fancy flip-flops? So They're I, like really nice and pristine condition, right? That, and you take one good look at these people's feet, you know damn well them feet haven't seen the sun since last summer. <laughs> and they, They're way too nice, too. I mean, my feet are tore up from the floor up. <laughs> I mean, these things are out in the water all the time. And, you know, but they hold up well. Yeah, you know, they it's... Uh, but, but at ICAST, they were sporting their flip-flops like all day long during the iCast show so that's like convention stuff and then it's like 11 o'clock at night and we're chilling in the lobby and you see these guys they're like hobbling around and shit because they're not used to wearing flip-flops all day and then all night so they're like really really pushing themselves to sport the piss out of their fancy flip-flops see Drew you don't need to try that hard George no no this is uh, what you should be doing George the next time you go to iCast you sport your flip-flop tan just go barefoot just go barefoot yeah, that's how we know who the real guys are. That's how, show us <laughs> if your you, feet. Yeah, if you walk around, yeah, if you Let's have some feet. ankle high or shin high tan line from your tube socks, well, we I, know. I'm the, no, I'm the I'm the main dude that's got the uh, shin high tan from the tube socks. It does not. <laughs> I have never seen you wear tube socks, dude. Well, these are these are low cut, but usually they come up to here. Fairbanks makes fun of me, and. That's not tube socks. Ah, whatever you want to call it. But I'm just saying that my feet, you know, like if I wore fancy flip-flops that I cast, you'd know that I don't normally wear flip-flops like that. I mean, I got... Uh, well, you and me got the bad feet. Yeah, I got the plantar fasciitis thing. And the one thing about the shoes that George got me, these Alakai things, is they actually got a sole in them. I can wear them, and um, it doesn't hurt my feet. So I've been sporting the piss out of these things. Um, I'll have to get you some more. I know people. We can make that happen. It's good to know people. Yeah, it's good to know people in the industry, and I can definitely put some new kicks on those feet. <laughs> no, you are right, though, because I actually don't have to put the insert in mine either. I can just use the insert that's already in there, and it actually feels fine on my feet. No, yeah. it's a real shoe. It's, yeah. a, it's a real yeah. shoe. And, 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 and truth be told, honestly, I mean, you have to have you're, – you're standing all day, and, you know, you have to have a, a good pair of – uh, shoe wear underneath your feet and the same thing with your sunglasses that we talked about Maui Jim it's the same yeah. exact thing you have one set of eyes and you know one one pair of feet and you know you, you have to take care of those things and you know it's good clothing it's good eyewear it's good you know you got to cover up and you got to be comfortable with it it's a tough job you know being out here every day fishing every day and it's a it's a grind out in the sun and and the conditions so Whatever you can do to kind of lessen that toll on your body is, is extremely important. Yeah. Amen to that. You know, I think I think that's one of the biggest um, misconceptions of being a fishing guide or, or you know, working on a fishing boat. Or, you know, people think that, you know, it's kind of like being on vacation or it's a dream job or whatever that, you know, it. but, it, but they're so wrong. If the amount of pain that the average fishing guide or fishing captain or fishing mate lives with on a daily basis. Nobody ever talks about that. Nobody even gets that type of thing. Well, they, they see the glory of it. They see you catching fish. They see your Instagram and Facebook posts and like, wow, that's the, you know, that's the, the best job in the world or, or whatever, but they don't see the backside of it. You know, I, 
I was up at five this morning. I was, you know, on the water before the sun came up. I, I fished all day, and then I went home and I spent, you know, hours working on things on on the boat to kind of get it, get it right for tomorrow. You know, and going back out and, you know, never mind all the other things that you have to do with life, with kids, and you know, the wife or the girlfriends and the house, you know, the, the dogs and taking care of those things. But just to keep the boat going and 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 it, there's so much to it, the tackle and. Right. There's so much behind the scenes that it does seem glorious. And people ask me all the time. I get kids asking me all the time, oh, I want to be a fishing guy. Well, you know, what's your best advice to me? And I always tell them, listen, man, just get another job. Oh, right. You know, right. just have something else that you can fall back on for at least, you know, five or so years or 10 years. Because it, it took me a, a solid 10 years to build up a client list where sure you could, you know, be fishing enough days where you're sporting yourself and it's hard you know even now there's there's times that go by that the phone doesn't ring and you know people think oh you're gonna be people think i'm busy you know all the time it's just that's not always the case i, th- I think I, I tell you you know between social media and um you know fishing guides have gotten in front of the camera in front of microphones the podcast you know youtube all these different things and there's you know They'll throw out these numbers like, oh, yeah, I fish 300 days a year. And, you know, like I just bite my tongue and I'm like, dude, I've been doing this longer than most. I've been full time for an awful long time. And last year I did 273 trips, not 273 days, just 273 trips. And that was by far the busiest year that I've ever had. And I'll tell you straight up, that was probably 50 too many. I'm not kidding. Oh, yeah. I'm not yeah. kidding. There's no what, way that I could do that many. There's what, just no way. Yeah, and what you sacrifice for what you're getting back yeah. is, is it's too much. Yeah. It's too much. So I listen to these dudes. They talk about, oh, yeah, I did 300 days. And, yeah, you give them a half a smile and you pat them on the back and you tell them good job. But you know damn well they didn't do 300 days. 300 days, it's almost, it's almost physically impossible. Yeah. Almost. Let's say no one's ever done 300 days. I'm just saying that these guys that all say that they're full-time guides, you know, like Carl, he ain't doing 300 days. Nope. Carl's probably, you know, one of the most successful and busy guides that you could possibly get. That's Carl Ball we're talking about. He's not doing 300 days. So, I don't know. Physically, um, just like any other sport, and fishing is a sport, Busaka. Um, <laughs> fishing is a sport. It's going to be in the Olympics. I hope so. I think kids, hey, kids are going uh, in Chaston. She got like a, yeah, uh, yeah. College, a scholarship. scholarship. Yeah. And I told my really? kid. Yeah. And, For and her. Yeah. And I, I told my kid, I said, you know, I said, um, you know, the fishing thing could open up a lot of doors, you know, as far as maybe getting a scholarship. More importantly, you know, the network of people that you might be around. Um, I think is extremely valuable. People that fish are good people. They're hardworking people. And I think if you surround yourself with that type of person, and it doesn't have to be in the fishing industry, but just hardworking people, mm-hmm. then um, you know you're 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 way ahead of the game, way ahead of the game. Yeah. But to think that some of these kids can actually apply themselves to the sport and uh, get a reward like Jastin got, which school does she end up going to? Do you know? Some southern school. I right. just actually talked to her. Uh, saw her at ICAST. Yeah. And if you guys don't know Chastin, it's with, uh, I think uh, it's Chastination on uh, Instagram. Yep. Yeah. And she's a female angler. She's a freshman in college right now. She attended LunkerCon last year in um, Tampa. 
And she was an absolute pleasure. I was glad she was there. I filmed an episode with her years ago um, when uh, she was uh, still in high school. We filmed a, an episode of Real Time with her. Yeah. And uh, super, super, super wonderful, supportive family. Her mom's super nice and her dad's wonderful people. So they're they're good people. And, you know, she's been successful in what she's doing. So, you know, always wish us people the best of luck. Yeah. You know, it's funny, George, actually, how you bring up, you know, like the kids, you know, like you fish with her. I did. I saw the episode that you did with uh, with Zach Trong. Is that his last name? Yep. Yep. He was like six. He was sixteen when mm-hmm. you did the show with mm-hmm. him, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I. He and I got each other. On, uh, we follow each other on Instagram. We'll like like each other's pics and what. I haven't met him, but what was what was that like fishing with him? Honest, I've always wondered that. You know, it's so funny when you're trying to set these shows up, especially back in the day with real time that. You know, you would see so much of that in the beginning is we would find posts, you know, from the forum and, and, and they'd be posting things. And you don't always know when you get to a location whether these people are just posting things or whether they're the real deal or not. But it's always great to be able to get to these places and meet these people and, the, and they are what they, you know, what they look like they are and what they seem to be on, on social media or on these forums. and. He was a good kid, you know, he was torn up with fishing and I think he's even more into it now. And I think, you know, you have to give those kids an opportunity to, to, you know, put them in the limelight and give them some exposure. And sure, it's regardless of age, you know, I've gone out with people a lot older. I knew a lot less and, you know, it doesn't matter on your age. These kids are the learning curve nowadays, especially with social media, you know, they, they can pick things up and learn tips and techniques. And the other thing too is like when you're fishing, you know, yeah, you get recognition, you know, from whatever, maybe social media or maybe your parents or an uncle that's into fishing or whatever. But to have a, a TV show or somebody that actually, you know, wants to highlight you, you know, that's like a really nice way to give somebody, you know, recognition that they deserve yeah. because they've been, you know, working at working at the sport, Busaka. And um, I think that was the popular thing about uh, about the <laughs> about the show, too, was the ability for anybody. And, and Unfathom is the same exact way now that it's just the ability of anybody to be on there, really. Right. You know, it's it, it's regardless of it's not so much your your fishing prowess, but if you have a unique story to tell, you know, I think people that that's the that's the really, I think, to me, the engaging thing that is moving forward I mean, you know that's kind of the direction that we're going is is the storytelling right and i think everybody has a story to tell everybody's a little different unique and why they fish or where they fish or what they fish for and they have something to tell and just to be able to get in there and kind of really just peel those layers away and tell that story that's i think that's what's most engaging well i think you and and, and kevin if you guys don't know who kevin is that's um well explain it he's the producer slash yeah, Kevin. Right? Yeah, Kevin and I started together. So Kevin owns Colorblind Media. Okay. That's been uh, the production team that I've worked with from the very beginning. Kevin was a God. He was an intern back in the day with Florida Sportsman Magazine when I first started. Uh, when I was started hosting Real Time, the first year of Real Time was just a web-based show where Kevin and I would just jump in the truck and we filmed every other week. So we filmed twenty-something episodes, twenty-six episodes. The first year when him and I would just jump in a truck with a camera, a single camera, and go around and film with people. And it's evolved into, uh, you know, he's very well respected in, in the uh, outdoor industry for his cinematography now. And it really is just... Well, I think, I mean, I watch all the stuff. I watch everybody's shows. Um, of course, you know, Florida Sportsman, um, you know, I'm a guide here in Florida, so I'm going to watch the stuff. 
And I think the thing that um, I think the thing that impresses me most about Kevin, and of course all the production you guys done, is you 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 fought the tide by trying to br- put some artistic value in the show itself. Yeah, and it shows. Yeah, and I know that it's extremely difficult, you know, with the short amount of time that you have. You know, to actually do that. I mean, even when uh, in the Florida Sportsman Show, we went down to Miami, and um, you know, we had that epic day with all the fish and the city in the background and the cool lights and the bridges and all that. And that could have been so just, you know, fishing, but you guys were able to actually um, deliver the message that yeah, it's fishing, but it's Miami, and you know, that's it's a uh, totally different you know fishery and you were able to make it come across that it was miami it wasn't just you and i out there tarpon fishing you know what i mean and then what you did this last year with unfathomed dude when i watched the episode that you did with me like i was worried that we didn't catch enough big fish and that kind of thing and i'm thinking the old way or the way the fishing shows were and i'm like gee how in the world are they going to pull this off and then I'm watching it. I was totally floored, like was not expecting that, you know, because it, you know, I've done TV quite a few times over the years. And if if, if they would just say my name and show my phone number, I was like, I hit a home run, you know. Never mind, you know, have somebody actually do a story about me. So when somebody can watch us, the show is like, yeah, they catch tarpon, but Lunker Dog is a real guy. He's a character. He's a you know, Persona. He, he's got a life and you guys showed that in such a short amount of time. Yeah. And I know it wasn't easy. No, it, it never is. You have 23 minutes to tell a story. And that's why I wanted to come back and film with you because I think we didn't really, as, as great as the first episode was, I, th- I didn't think we really captured who Lunker Dog really was. And that's really kind of the story that I wanted to tell that you had this persona, like you talk about online and socially, that's, that's uh, unique and it's it's engaging for a lot of a lot of people that that love it and I don't think we kind of captured that and I wanted to come back and film with you again and really kind of just you know get that side of you because people don't to me I, I said this before it seems like there's two sides of you and I don't mean that in a bad way I mean it's just there's Lunker Dog and then there's Jeff I, I know you as you know hanging out as a quiet humble you know not that you're not humble as lunker dog but it's just to me it's kind of like two different people and it's like a switch that turns on and it, it's it, no, it's, I, it, it's different yeah. it's different it's different Lamont, when lamont and i first started you know doing um the youtube stuff you know it was more lamont's idea but he would tell me um to think of it more as because we were we were in love with wrestling or you know since we were kids and how lamont would would um <clears throat> want to film the YouTube episodes is he wanted me to come into form like they did in the WWF, like be louder, you know, sell out a little bit, make somebody laugh, make somebody hate you. And God, we've did both. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and, and Lamont taught me that it's okay if somebody hates you because don't get caught up in that. Think about wrestling. Okay. So like, I love, you know, the macho man. He was like, you know, my favorite wrestling character, you know. And then there was other guys that I totally hated. You know what I mean? Like I couldn't stand, I couldn't stand like, um, 
Hulk? Uh, yeah, Hulk. I wasn't that into the Hulk, but I mean, there was dudes that like, like I really like couldn't stand. Like I wanted to throw stuff at him and stuff like that. But if those guys didn't come on on Saturday when we were watching wrestling, I missed them. Yeah, I was like, you know, I wanted to hate them. So when we were doing, you know, our YouTube stuff, Lamont was like, it's okay if they hate you. It's okay if they love you. What's not okay is that if we do a recording that they got nothing. You want to spark some sort of real emotion. Yeah. And if you can do that, then um, then it works. And I think you and Kevin, whether when you were doing Florida Sportsman, and especially at Unfathomed, you know, I mean, I get it. It's hard to you know get them to really hate you on TV. But on the other hand, is you are able to get them emotional. Yeah, and, like, I, and that's the thing too. Is just I wanted to be able to have the whole family sit down and watch an episode of Unfathomed, and not the wife get up and go, "God, I can't, I can't stand another fishing show," and walk out of the room, or the kids not to be engaged. I wanted something that was appealing to everybody, and I think, and and, and to me, fishing has never been. Maybe in the very beginning, it was about catching fish. It was about how big the fish was or how many fish I caught. But as I as as it evolved, it turned into something totally different. It, to me, it was always about the anticipation and the preparation in that morning of just sitting there making the coffee and just wondering what the day held for you, and then getting out on the boat and seeing what you know how was the weather and how there was always so much more to it than the fish. The fish right. was always just just a part of it and even it, it 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 was like a wave it was it was this anticipation build up build up build up and you catch a fish and then it would kind of ebb back down and then you know the cleanup at the end of the day and then just the anticipation for the following day so it was always this this up and down that that was always intriguing to me it wasn't it wasn't the catching and so many times you see these fishing shows where the show starts out and the rods bent over and you have no idea how that person got there or, where they're at or what it took to get there to me it's always been about the backside of the story and like i said just that storytelling that's kind of really what the direction that we're going is just trying to tell the story tell the story about you or whatever the shows were this year you know went to guatemala and did some destination shows we did a you know a spear fishing show a free diving show we did a, a show with andy mill uh, you know fly fishing so there's there's so many different things that you can do to tell these stories. I think that's that's really, I think, the future of, of successful television. But again, like you're saying, you have 23 minutes. You have 23 minutes to tell a story. You have 23 minutes to, you know, to satisfy sponsors' needs. Right. And, and we try to do that in an unobtrusive way. We try to do it organically. You know, I, you know I'm wearing Maui Jim sunglasses because you see them on my face. I don't need to tell you, oh, these Maui Jims wear, work or I'm on a Camus boat or a Mercury motor or a power pole. You see those things. And you, to me, you know, Tiger Woods swings, swings a club on a Sunday and he wins and people go out and buy that on Monday because they know it works. And right. if you and I are out there and we have quality gear in our hands and we're using that, and, and like we talked about with the shoes, it, I'm going to be using that product. Now, I'm not going to use it just because somebody gave it to me. I'm using it because it works. And I think the viewers get that. I don't think I need to. It's not NASCAR. I don't need to force feed it down people's throats. And I think they understand that you know these quality products are the products that we use. And, of course, sponsorship is what it takes to make this work. But at the end of the day, it's a partnership. It's a partnership, and I'm endorsing these products because I truly believe in them. Well, that and, um, I mean, you actually fish for a living. 
So it's not like you can really fake it. You, know, you can't do one thing for the show and then show up on your boat and do something else. Yeah. You know, I mean, in today's day and age, I mean, with social media, they know everything. Oh, they'll catch you. They they'll know catch everything. You. They'll catch you so bad. They're they're just looking, and that's the funny thing is people, they want to kind of they they're they're looking closely and they'll figure stuff out and they're a lot smarter and they 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 they'll watch the edits and I think that's important too with like uh, colorblind media and cabin is. I have a production team that fishes. I have a production team that are watermen that surf and, you know, they get it. You know, they understand. They know what to look for. They you know, they can read the water just as well as I can. And that's important. So many times you see on, on shows, whatever it is, the edits are terrible. Like right. they'll, they'll be holding the rod one way and then the next thing you know, or, you know, the yeah. water conditions change. It, it, you have to be real because people pick up on that stuff. And I, you have to stay humble as well too. I think that's kind of been something i've always tried to stay true was listen i'm i'm a guide i'm not a god i'm a fishing host i'm extremely fortunate to be where i'm at um i dreamed of this job when i was a child i never thought i would get here and i'm not going to take advantage of it and i don't think i'm a great fisherman i think i'm you know i'm great at watching people fish because that's what i do most of the time i'm a guide you know i don't have a rod in my hand right. i'm pointing right. people telling people what to do right Really, the only time I fish is when I'm filming, you know, to be honest. My days off, I'm on the water so much, I really don't want to, I don't mean make this sound bad, but I don't want to be on the water. I want to be doing something different. No, no, there's something to be said for that. I mean, you know, you're a professional fisherman, and then you're doing a fishing show, and you need a break. Yeah. You need a break. I I mean, I just got back from a trip from Costa Rica, and um, it was funny because the wife and the kid actually planned the trip. And um, they wanted to go to Costa Rica. And where do they pick to stay? Is Las Sueños, you know, the fanciest, most badass fishing marina in all of Costa Rica or whatever. And we didn't fish a day. And it didn't bother me one bit. But we did whitewater rafting. We did rappelling. We did zip lining. We did ATVs. We went out in the mountains and found weird restaurants to eat at. And we went to the national park and we saw sloths and we did everything but fish. And I was so totally okay with that. And then at the end of the seven, eight days, I was ready to fish again. I got home. I did a trip that Sunday night, the very next night. And when I was younger, I wouldn't appreciate not fishing. But when you fish so much, there's a time to appreciate not fishing. Yeah. You need you need something. something. And I, I've gotten heavily into jiu-jitsu, and it's just something that's completely removed from fishing. It's something that's totally opposite but that's what i think you need and you need that kind of balance that you know just something else whatever it is you just need otherwise you get burned out you see these people that are so engaged and so into it and i get that and but i I think it's a balance maybe that's the reason why you know you go down to the charter docks in fort lauderdale or whatever and you look at some of these old captains and stuff and they're not exactly doing very well yeah, you know, they got substance abuse problems. They look like holy hell, gone through three wives or whatever. And um, I think they let the lifestyle get the best of them and turn them into something that they never thought that they would end up being. And um, Well, it's funny. I I wanted to be a fishing captain from probably the day I was a, started thinking about what I wanted to do. And the reason why I didn't do it is because every captain that I knew was a drunk. 
Right. And I thought to myself, I don't want to be that person. Yeah. I don't want to be a drunk sitting on the dock. And and that's why I steered away from it. Mm-hmm. And I think probably that was, you know, it's it's hard. It's a great lifestyle. You're traveling around. A lot of these guys on these bigger boats are going to wonderful destinations. But there's a lot of downtime. There's not much to do but just sit out and hang out and, and right. drink. And, and I didn't want that to be me. I didn't want that to define me. So I did something, you know, totally different. I had a different career. And afforded me the ability to fish part-time and build up my client list and learn my trade and learn the waters of my my home and I was fortunate you know to have something else like that so it was a path that I took I didn't go directly into fishing not that people can't do that and can't do it successfully but you know I think it's kind of again the balance in life whatever it is is important you got to have balance yeah you got to have balance There's, there's no secret to that and the um you know like we talked about a little bit earlier the pain that's involved you know, when you can overdo it. And I think a lot of the substance abuses that we see in our industry have to do with not being able to leave the lifestyle. I think it has to do with pain. I don't think people realize that a fishing captain, you know, you just have to accept that you're going to be hurting all the time. Your hands. What'd you say? Your elbow, right? What do you got? Yeah, I got uh, maybe some cubital tunnel syndrome is called. So I'm actually have have uh, surgery on my elbows. So yeah, the elbow. Overuse. You know, like my shoulders. Every time I roll over when I sleep, I wake up, and I could see, you know, how a how a captain could start drinking too much or get hooked on pills or whatever. And it's something that you know. Unless you've done it, and unless you're doing it, unless you've felt it yourself, people just don't get it. So, I don't know. But but very similar. Very similar. Like, I watched the guys on the charter dock. And I watched the scams that they would do to the tourists on mounting fish or getting them to book a trip when there was no fish out there because they had to do that because of their overhead and so on and so forth. And... Early in my career, guys would say, oh, Captain Jeff, you know, he'll take you for a charter, you know. And I says, well, I'll guide you. And I would tell them that I was a guide. And I would really kind of harp on that because I didn't want them to confuse me with the guy down on the charter dock that was trying to hustle them a trip. Yeah. Or to get in the hustle them to mount a barracuda or and all the other different hustles that go on down there. You know what I mean? And, it, and really, you know, I, it might have hurt business in the short run but i think in the long run you know people were able to say hey that's not a normal fishing charter and we're selling the experience too i think people get on the boat and, and they'll call me and they're like whoa you guarantee fish <laughs> that's the last <laughs> thing i guarantee you i guarantee to bring you out and i guarantee to bring you home safely right. Right. everything in between is just the gravy. And a lot of times I don't have that much to do with it. I mean, I'll take you to the best places with the best bait and the best time, the best tackle. But again, you know, they don't always chew. I don't, if they don't chew, they don't chew. Right. And I think you're, we're excelling in experience. We're selling a, a memory. Um, and I try to get that across to a lot of the kids that are trying to get into the business. Like they talk, and then they'll ask me, what'd you catch today? What'd you catch today? And they always focus on what you caught. It's like, listen, it's not not so important what you caught. I mean, right. I just had three days with guys from uh, from uh, Oklahoma. You know, a great bunch of guys that have traveled all around the world, fished, and the fishing was tough the last three days. To be honest, it was it was a struggle. I mean, we caught fish, but it was a struggle. And 
at the end of the three days, I'm apologetic because, you know, listen, I wish the fishing was a little bit better, but they had a wonderful experience. Yeah. You know, they just, you know, they just raved about it. And it, it's not always about the fish. And just like I talk about with the show, guiding is the same exact way. It's an experience that, you know, it, it, it's memorable to people just to get out there and just to, to be a part of it. Sometimes I have to slow down and, and realize that, that maybe there's a manatee there that nobody's ever seen and how important that is for them to see that or, you know, dolphin, bottlenose dolphin playing in the river that nobody gets to see. Or we're, right. we're, these things that we take for granted, so often people don't, you know, it's new to them. So these experiences that I have to kind of humble myself, slow down and say what's important to other people may not always be what's important to me. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and, and because it's a business, you know, you, you're smart to do so. You know, if it, if it wasn't a business and it was just a hobby, Busaka. That um, <laughs> you know, how I keep doing that. Why we had a we had a debate whether fishing was a sport or a hobby, and um, I think, I think that um, I was able to convey that fishing is definitely a sport. It was I'm sure that it it was something along those lines. It was whether it's a sport or whether it's. I forgot what it was. It was something along those lines. But, yeah, you did convince me. Right, and I changed the you way did. you thought about it a little bit. You did, and it was a sense of that, you know, about offshore sport fishing. Should it really be considered a sport? And he kind of put it into a perspective of, well, you know, it is kind of a sport because when you're offshore, it's like like a team effort. You've got the captain, the mates, and everybody. You know, it's it's a combined effort, like a sport. Yeah. Like, you know, a hobby – you know, if it was just a hobby, then everybody would be looking at what you're doing and just kind of like following you. But no, everybody's got their job on the boat. Everybody's got a responsibility. If one guy screws up, it totally affects everybody else on the boat. Just like a football or a basketball, basketball team or a baseball team is you have to pull your own weight out there and you have to practice. And the better you get, the more enjoyable it is. And the worse you get, the less enjoyable it is. It is not a freaking hobby. It's a sport, or they wouldn't call it sport fishing. What about us, just the only one guy on the boat, though? So it's like a singles tennis or something we're playing? Yeah, it's like golf. And think about it. It's exactly like golf. I mean, you know, if it's a windy day and it's overcast or it's too cold, it's like playing on a different course. you got to make your adjustments, and you have to overcome the elements that are thrown your way. In hobbies, eh, maybe you got to do that a tiny bit, but it's not so detrimental to the outcome of your hobby. Yeah. But it's definitely detrimental to how well you can perform that sport that you're practicing. And people that have been fishing for a long time, like longer than Busaka's been alive, can see it crystal clear. And guys that are first you know, getting good at fishing and, and starting to learn the sport itself, of course, are going to have a much harder time, you know, seeing that. And the things that, um, I mean, I, I'll put it in real guys' perspective. is, dude, I'm 51 years old. I've been fishing for, you know, 35 years. I know shit. I know shit. And um, I know shit that other people don't know. What the hell are you showing me? Oh, I like that. Yeah. 
So here's the we, that's uh, Rufus. You know had you know I told you guys earlier we're down here at River Palm Cottages. So Rufus is like you know hanging around listening to the podcast, trying to get the inside scoop on what's happening first and all that. And um, I don't know this this is the first time that I uh, was able to spend like hours at River Palm Cottages. And the yeah. longer I stay here, the more I like it, the more impressed I am. And it figures that a guy like Rufus would actually be behind this place, you know? Oh yeah, yeah. It was, uh, it was, it was neat. This uh, used to be part of the old Florida Institute Technology campus. Was over here at Indian Riverside Park, and the county had a referendum. We bought the all that property, turned it into a park, and I think actually these these I think were dorms at one time. And Rufus bought it years ago, and it sat sat dormant forever. And uh, he bought it. And I lived across the street. Like I said, I lived directly across the street and half so for over 20 years. He bought it, fixed the place up, and turned it into this fish camp what it is today. So it was the sign out, out front says a, a cool place to stay. And it, it really is. It, it is a neat place for a lot of my clients to come and just, you know, it's cottages right on the water and the docks right here, pick them up. And it literally is a cool place to stay because we're talking about how this AC has been cranking all day, man. Oh my God! The air conditioner is joint. Nice. It's like it's the same air conditioner they got in Burdines. Been crying out loud. I, I had like, to turn Whoa. it down. Listen, there's like I say that when I travel, all I need is a cold AC at the end of the day. Like I spend so much time in the heat. At the end of the day, I want to be cold. Like well, I need it to be cold when I sleep. Well, if you stay at River Palm Cottages when you're down here fishing with George, you'll, you'll be, cold be cold at the end yeah. of the day. You will be. So wait, so George, you're one of those people that has to have like the fan on when you go to bed. Ceiling fan, fan oh, next to the bed, and the air set at like seventy. I start freezing at night. I can't no, do I it. need it. I need it. That's <laughs> so, awesome. George, what's what's the outlook for the show? Looks like you got your first first year under your belt. And I'm sure you and Gavin have been brainstorming and doing your thing, trying to make things newer, greater, better. What do you think? Where, where, where do you see the show going from here? You know, so we're, we're in the planning stages of 2020. Um, you know, before we were kind of confined to the borders of Florida because it was Florida Sportsman Magazine, and that, that no longer is the case. You know, we're kind of breaking out, doing new things and traveling to new destinations and, you know really exploring those like i said we're 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 searching for stories we're always i'm always looking i'm always i always want to hear from people that have something unique to tell regardless of you know what you think your your fishing prowess is or whatever it, it, it the fishing is the fishing is just i tell people it's this the spine of the book that holds a story together right but there's so much more to that story than just the fishing so the fishing is what get us gets us there um, but we're looking for, for everything else. We're looking do you, for, do you find it harder? It's, it's much more challenging for sure. Rather than just traveling to, to a place and saying, Hey, we're going to catch a couple of fish. Now, you know, you, you just want more substance and, and just more to it. it. It takes more, it takes more planning. It takes, you know, and you can, and you can, you can feel the satisfaction as you're able to. Well, you... yeah, I mean, it's. There's no time to, honestly, there's no time to enjoy it. You know, I wish there was. I wish, and it, there's not a lot of feedback. And that's what people, most people don't understand. They think, well, there's very little feedback. You feel isolated? Feel like you're on an island a lot of times? Yeah. You don't know. You don't know how people take it. You know, some people will come up to you. And it's really different. It's funny. I always tell people this, but it's so much different in fresh water than salt water. 
I think if you were to go to Bassmasters Classic and there'd be, you know, Kevin Van Dam there signing autographs, people would line up 500 deep to get an autograph. Right. Take the most successful saltwater angler and put him on a, on a booth signing autographs. There'll be like three people there. Yeah. It's like a, it's. No, it's different. It's different. It's totally, there's so much more ego, I think, in saltwater. Yeah. You know, the freshwater people are, you know, they're the NASCAR people that get behind get behind their car, or get behind their number, or get behind their angler. You don't see that a lot in the saltwater. So, you know, always searching for feedback, and it's tough to get. And a lot of times you get it socially more than anything else. You get it on comments and stuff. And right. uh, you hate to just use that because sometimes people can be, you know, keyboard commanders. But most of the feedback you know we've gotten for unfathom has been very positive the sponsors are happy all of our major sponsors have signed back up for 2020 the network was happy they gave us better air time we're airing another quarter so we'll, we'll your air. guest was happy your the guests were happy <laughs> i was happy as yeah, balls yeah i was like damn george <laughs> put me on tv again and actually talked about me i was dude i was so elated i was so elated well that's you know you you don't know and i just you know, it's funny. I just had one air this week with Cameron Kirkconnell, a spear fisherman, and you know, world-renowned spear fisherman. And he called me up. He's like, "Listen, I've done a bunch of shows," and he said the same thing. This is the best show that's been done. And to hear that, that's rewarding. You know, and I even said, "Listen, if I get into this and I have one successful year as unfathomed, if I go out the way I want to go out, you know, that's what's important to me. I want to do it the way I want to do it, right. and uh, something that I can be proud of. And we're putting out a product that." I'm proud of, you know, it's maybe the quality is not always appreciated by everybody, but I think if you were to really break it down and understand the cinematography, the quality, really what goes into it. Right. Um, I don't think a lot of people understand what goes into these things. Um, I'm extremely happy for where we're at. I'm extremely fortunate. Well, I think you've done a great job. And I think um, one consistent theme that everybody in the real guy network kind of rolls with and you guys have been able to do it with unfathomed is if you can consistently get lunkers in people's faces things usually end up all right that's right that's right <laughs> things usually end up so all it's not right. always about the fish but if you throw lunkers in people's faces you really can't say much you know you've been um you've been part of the real guy network for many years now and um we appreciate it we value it and um it's nice that not only do I have a relationship with you, but it seems like everybody in the network, whether they were able to meet you personally, see you at LunkerCon, whether they saw it on their computer or on a YouTube video, or they were fortunate enough to actually go to LunkerCon and meet you and talk to you, or maybe one of the other shows that, you know, the boat shows and stuff like that. And um, I think you get the whole idea of being a real guy. And I think you would have got it whether you ever met me or not. <laughs> well, listen, I, I, it's again, I grew up in a trailer park. I grew up in government housing. I hate, I don't want to say that like, well, what was me? I mean, I, I was, I grew up from a humble childhood, spending days on the pier, Dana Pier, cruising the canals in my, the weekends I spent in my dad's house in Sunrise looking for bass in, in some of the canals. So it was a, a very a humbling childhood, and I grew up 
just idolizing people like Flip Pallet, Jose Wahebi. I'm not afraid to say that. Those were, those were my idols. And I'm extremely fortunate to be where I am today. And I don't know if that's from good luck. I don't know if that's from good fortune. I don't know what that's from, but... I'll tell you what it's from. <laughs> it's from hard work. Well, it's hard work, but it's also it's knowing the right people, being in the right place at the right time. It, there's a lot of different things, but I'm just a, and people, people will call my phone. And they're like, oh my God, you answered the phone. And I'm like, well, who did you think was going to answer the phone when you <laughs> called my phone? I mean, should I not you're be the person? Yeah. Like, should I not to be the person that's answering my phone? I'm not that important. Really. I host a fishing show and I fish full time. I'm not, I'm just a regular guy that has a kind of cool job. And I, I try to tell people that all the time the, the anybody could be a, a show host. I was very fortunate to be where I am and I just, that's the whole thing. I'm, I am just a regular guy, and I think I just I try to stay true to that. Dude, you're not a regular guy. You're a real guy. I'm a real guy, and we appreciate it. Oh. And thanks for doing uh, doing the recording with us today. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, being part of the Real Guy Network and putting us on TV, attending LunkerCon, um, always were good to us. All the way from the Florida Sportsman days, and then. Um, now we're chilling here at River Palm Cottage, just busting out a podcast to appeal to more real guys. Crazy how how far it's come. It's just good. Yeah. It's just good stuff. And now if we can get guys like in the millennial group, like you know Busaka and some of these dudes to carry it forward, you know that's your job, right, Busaka? I know. And you know you don't have to be some crazy professional superstar fisherman. You know that's Busaka. When I was when I was growing up. Um, a lot of it had to do with fishing, but not all, but there was dudes twice my age that would take me around with them and let me experience, call it the real guy experiences. And it doesn't necessarily have to be fishing. It could be podcasts like we're doing now, you know, it could be going out to dinner with the family, having a fish fry business. You know, you want to bounce business ideas off somebody. That's how, what, how about all the times that we've just I've just come over one night and be like, hey, what are you doing? Nothing. Come on over. And we just sat in your living room and just chilled. Yeah, just chilled. Just just kind of BS for a few Start hours. Start laughing, bang out a podcast, yeah. making fun of some people online maybe. Yeah. But it's all good. And um Well it's those it's those you know, I, I have to be reminded sometimes too, like it's these little experiences that the effects that you can have on some people. Like they'll say, Well, kids will come up to me. Oh, I met you a couple of years ago at so and so, and you you gave me you signed this for me. Or you did. It's these little experiences that we take for granted. Like same thing with out there guiding these experiences that we take for granted. It means so much more to other people, and yeah. I think that's kind of what we have to remember. If somebody will come up and say hi, or you know, hey, I watch your show, and you just have to be, you know, extremely appreciative of everybody that you know. That does that. Yeah, you, you, you do. You got to. You want to. You want to be appreciative, and you don't want to let it get to your. You know, get to your head. Like, hey, I do this for you. It's like you have to appreciate them as much as they appreciate you. Yeah, we wouldn't be doing this. We wouldn't be here right now. We couldn't be doing a podcast. I couldn't be doing a television show. We wouldn't have the clients to take fishing. You know, it's 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 uh, it's pretty cool. I mean. God, we did the show how many years ago with Real Time? and Yeah, no, that was uh, like six years ago already or yeah. something. You came up, we did the Snook Ashore show, you know, we filmed a little something there. and You know, 
yeah, before we wrap up, let's t- let's talk a little bit about that. So the first time I fish with George, um, I take him down to Miami, and the tarpon are jumping in the boat. And we have this great episode, Real Time Florida Sportsman, and, and people are emailing me, dude, best tarpon episode i ever seen, blah, blah, blah. So the next summer, I decide that uh, I'm going to call George up. It's August. You know, I'm not crazy busy right now. And we were going to do a, a little video for the Mullet Run channel. And we come down here and we just crush oh, we these giant snooks. Yeah, I mean, back there. to back, you know, 30-pound snooks. And, you know, it was just really really you know good fishing and you know god looked down on us and gave us some great days but this last episode with unfathomed um there was a lot of fish fish were everywhere but they weren't that hungry and that's it that's you know and that's 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 how it goes too so often you break out a camera the fish just get locked jaw it's not always great days of fishing but when you have those that story to tell it it takes the pressure off it only takes a couple fish to make a really good episode and that's what i tell everybody when kind of planning these shows and you had such a unique story there was so much to tell about you that you don't want to catch too many fish because then there's not enough time to tell the story you just want that those fish in there just to kind of weave through and kind of hold it all together but there was so much more that we could have just kind of dove into with you i mean it was just we just tapped into it we went you know i loved the way they put it together with showing some of the youtube videos of your past and sitting down with your buddies at the brewery and it was it was just i was extremely impressed with the way it turned out and people think that you know i have i don't have anything to do with that i i showed up with you and we fished and i see the episode when it's done you know the guys put it all together and they have a vision and i was extremely happy with the vision well, I, I think the relationship actually got a heck of a lot stronger because the fishing was tough mm-hmm. and because we had to do things that weren't easy for a change. You know, we didn't show up and the fish jumped in the boat and you were looking at me and I'm looking at you and we're busting our ass to make sure that the end product, you know, is something that, you know, you can work with and um, we we're able to do it. And um, like I say in so many of the podcasts, the one thing that can build camaraderie. One thing that can overcome obstacles is when a guy's working as hard as he can and you're ass to ass with that person. Oh yeah. You're in the trenches and when the fish aren't chewing and you have two decent anglers on the, on the bow of the boat trying as hard as I can for two days. I mean, no, what else can you do? I mean, really, but you're able to develop a different kind of relationship that you can never get unless you get tested like that. Yeah. Anyway, you got anything else for George Busaka? You know, I think you just about covered everything I wanted to ask. Well, that's because I'm good like that. You are good like that, but that worked <laughs> out well. But, um, well, no, actually, I, just, I do want to add something, though, that, that George had brought up, too, which I think is a really good point about, like, those little things, like you were saying about kids maybe coming up to you and saying, oh, you know, I remember you did this for me and this. And, you know, it kind of made me think to when Carl took me out to Biscayne Bay for the first time. I remember you telling me that when you spoke to him, how mad he was and how how guilty he felt of the fact that I couldn't even put Steven on a bonefish. I'm so mad about that. And I was here I was. I couldn't stop raving to you about how, how much cool fun it was. I had. Yeah. Biscayne Bay is the best thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. You know, and people don't always realize. Like, there's little things, even at, like, again, because it's not always about all about the fish. Yeah. No, you it's a, and, and and from Carl's standpoint, you know, it, it wasn't necessarily about the fish. It was about you, 
And did Stephen have a good time when he was with me? And because the elements and it rained like a bitch that day and blah, 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 he was concerned. Yeah. And um, when I told him that that was one of the best days you've ever had in your life, you know, you could hear it in Carl's voice. He was fucking happy. You know what I mean? And uh, that's what being a real guy is all about. Yeah. George, thanks for being on the Real Guy Podcast. We really appreciate it. We look forward to seeing you. Um, going to be at LunkerCon? We will make it this uh, yeah, year? Yeah, I'm planning on it. Fantastic. Unless this new uh, hurricane coming doesn't blow me away. Yeah, if we all got houses and our boats are still intact, I think we'll I'll be uh, there. Yeah, we'll have a few beers and we get to hang out with some, some really good people. And um, thanks so much for being part of the Real Guy Network. And uh, run that dog. <laughs>